Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Today we're going to continue to look at the spirit of life. It is the spirit who gives life. Remember John 6:63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Life, that's Jesus speaking. How many of us this morning love life? Yeah. Amen. And what I mean by that is, you know, I just like things that are living. How many of us like it when things are lively? Don't you like that? I like when things are lively. I hate going to something where it's just dead. I, you know, how many of us like it when things are lively in our relationship with God? In our marriages, in our relationships everywhere in the church? in our families, in our businesses, our jobs, whatever it may be, I like it when it's lively. Now, if I like it when it's lively, I had better be in touch with who? The Spirit who gives life. Who gives life. How many of us like it when there's direction? I like direction. Who likes to aimlessly wander? Some of you RVers out there, aimlessly wander? How many of us like it when things are lifeless and boring? Somebody almost said amen, didn't you? Now, it would surprise many of us in this room how many people would would fail a polygraph test if they said no to that question. How many of us like it when things are lifeless and boring? And I said, most of us are saying no, but there's a lot of us, I'm not saying anybody in this room, there's a lot of people in the body of Christ now hopefully nobody at Foundation Church, that if they said no to that on a polygraph, they'd fail. Because in their heart of hearts, they kind of like it when things are not so lively and maybe just a little bit boring. Nice and quiet, no challenging, no boat rocking. There's a lot of people who are okay with that, but not us, right? Thank you, Matt. And I think Bob. Thank you. Well, as you may guess, that is not for me. That is not my goal. Not for you, not for me, and not for this church. I do not want things lifeless and boring at all, ever. I am looking and I am pining for life. Right Right now in my life, I am looking for liveliness. I'm looking for life. And I have direction, folks. I have it, and so do you. I have direction. I press toward the mark for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's your direction, right? Philippians 3.14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you know this morning that your high calling is etched in stone? God has it planned perfectly for you. The only question is what, church? The only question is us. God has it perfectly planned. We may be behind schedule, but he has a plan. I want things lively. I'm pressing towards that mark. I have direction. Who wants to go with me? And here's the thing. I know how to get there. I know how to get to that place, to that high calling. I know how to get there, and so do you. And if you don't, you will soon. Now, notice I did not say salvation this morning. I said high calling. And don't misconstrue anything that I say this morning. I am not belittling in any way salvation in and of itself. Absolutely not. There is no high calling without salvation. Right? That's like building a house on the sand. There is no high calling without salvation. 
The way to salvation is what, church? Through the blood of the Lamb. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The moment that we trust Him for the forgiveness of our sins and we repent of our sins, we are saved. Amen? Amen. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. For a moment, for a few moments this morning, I'm going to assume that we're all saved. And if you're not, I'll give you that chance to fix that at the end of church today. The way to, the high, the way to salvation is the blood of the Lamb, right? Jesus. The way to the high calling is the spirit of the living God. Now, for a lot of people, those two are one and the same. Are they, church? They are not. They are all part of the Trinity, but they are not the same. The way to salvation is through Jesus Christ, with his ministry on earth. When he died on the cross, when he descended, when he ascended and rose from the dead, that is the way to salvation. Without that, there is no other way. Listen, Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in nowhere else, no one else. That's it. But what I'm talking about this morning is the high calling. Salvation is through Christ. The high calling is found through the Spirit. The gospel design laid out in Acts is salvation, and then we are turned over to whom, church? We're turned over to the Holy Spirit. This is going to surprise a lot of people. You hear me say it around here all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus is not here. The Holy Spirit's here. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Holy Spirit is here. Now listen, I'm going to machine gun fire some scripture. Are you ready? It's in Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. Here we go. And I'm going to keep on going. You may be able to keep up with me. You may not. If you want to flip to Acts, go right ahead. Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. What had Samaria done? They'd received the word of the Lord. Now were they saved? Yes. When they heard that they had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as of yet, he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Does everybody see that distinction in the house of God this morning? Were they saved before Peter and John went to them? Yes. Peter and John went to them and and performed a specific act. They laid hands upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy and speak in tongues. That's what happened. Now Acts chapter 19, 1 through 6, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Listen to what the Ephesians, later written the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, listen to what they said. So they said to Paul, we have not so much have heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Were they saved, folks? Yes. Then Paul said, John and he said to them, into what were you baptized? So they, so they said, into John's baptism. John who? John the Baptist, right? the one who was before Jesus, testifying to Jesus. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, 
the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Does everybody see your repetitive action here? Do you see it? Now, what are we talking about here? If you look in the book of John, don't turn there, you won't have time. But in the book of John, chapter 1, it might appear up here. John 1, verses 33 through 34, it says this. This is John the Baptist speaking. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, God Almighty said to John the Baptist, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. What is he saying here, folks? John the Baptist came and he baptized with repentance and with water, right? He said that the person that he saw, the Holy Spirit remaining on, would be the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Understand, there is no delineation between being saved and the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus comes, he brings the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When John comes, he brings the baptism of water. Now listen, we've been turned over to the gospel of Jesus Christ. John's gone, right? So now that we have received Jesus, we don't, listen, we we get baptized in water just like Jesus did, but the main thing is, is now we get baptized in the Holy Spirit because, listen, Jesus does not come without the Holy Spirit. Understand that. I ask again, how important is this member of the Trinity? How long did Paul wait to tell the Ephesians about the Holy Spirit? How long did he wait? He didn't wait at all. He didn't wait for a minute. How long did he wait to lay hands on them to be filled? He didn't hesitate at all. He got them baptized in Christ and he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Did Paul even allude to the idea, to the concept, that things end at salvation? Did he even allude to that? And listen, folks, it is so important that you grasp a hold of what I'm telling you this morning. This is a joyful message. Do not be scared of the Holy Spirit. I will protect you from weird Christians. Got it? So you can relax, kick back, and enjoy the ride. I'm not going to let any weird Christian get at you. I'll protect you from that. Anybody that's been soiled by weird Christians talking about the Holy Spirit, don't let that be you any longer. Don't be afraid. Jesus comes with the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Holy Spirit. If it's the Holy Spirit, it's right. If it's a weird Christian doing weird things, he's in the flesh. Paul didn't even allude to the facts that, listen, you know what, now you're saved, now you're baptized in Christ, let's move on, did he? He immediately went for it. He was on task. Listen, Christians, listen. He was on task. He laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what should be going on today. But we've learned something else. How wrong can it be to think otherwise? To think that it all ends right there at salvation. Or to think, this is, a lot of people say, well, we don't think it ends at salvation. We think that it all happens at at the same moment. It can if there's evidence and you've asked. Lord, save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit, just like the book of Acts. But a lot of folks are saying that it's all one and the same, but there's no evidence of it. 
It's clearly, folks, salvation to the infilling. And Scripture backs it up. Let's move on for a moment. There's a lot of Ephesians out there today, right? We were all there at one point, right? But they've morphed into a different version than what we're reading about there in the book of Acts chapter 19. In Acts 19, what was the Ephesians' reaction to what Paul said? What was, it, what was their reaction? When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. What was their reaction? Do you hear anybody question anything? They received instantly without hesitation. Without hesitation. What to do, what do today's Ephesians do? Whether it's you or me or anybody else, what do, what do today's Ephesians do? What's changed in the world today? This was a church, right? This was a gathering, a fellowship of Christians, correct? So what's changed? There, there they were. Samaria, what'd they do? Received, right? In Ephesus, what did they do? Received. What do we do? Or what, does the, what do today's Ephesians do? Well, here comes, let's just say Casey walks in the room to a, a church at Ephesus today who has salvation but has yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And Casey says to them, he tells them the exact same message Paul says. What would they say today? How many of you have been in a church just like that? What would they say? Oh, there goes Tom running down church. I'm not running down anything. I'm just telling you what's true. What did they say? Well, I don't know about that. Is that anywhere in Scripture? That's not for today. There's another one. That's not what my church does. That's not what my pastor believes. That's too weird for me. Jesus always comes with the Holy Spirit. Always. If you're saved and you put up a brick wall to the Holy Spirit, you're missing a huge chunk. I venture to even say you're missing half of the boat. How good does a boat cut in half work? It doesn't. Listen to this. They speak those things, but here's something you've heard before. I'm going to tell it to you again. And make sure, listen, make sure this is not you. Often they may not say those things, but they will speak with substitution. Right? I keep discovering, as I've told you, I keep discovering the secret of America. Throughout, I told you that last, I think it was last fall, right? Yeah, fall. I discovered the secret to America was pumpkins. Remember? If you, want, if you want thousands of Americans to go anywhere, set up a stand with a lot of junk food and put pumpkins all over a field, they're coming. They're coming. Don't add nothing up. Don't set up a preaching stand and start preaching the gospel with pumpkins. They're not coming then. But you just set up, listen, you set up a nice stand full of cotton candy and coke, wash that cotton candy down with coke and walk around a bunch of pumpkins, America's coming. The other day I was driving past Rambler's Rest on River Road. I know I've been talking about River Road a lot. I spend a lot of time on River Road. Live on River Road, work on River Road. I was driving down River Road. I made it through the light, like I talked about last week. Made it, made it through that. And on the right, this was yesterday, I, I looked on my right and there was just thousands of people at Rambler's Rest. Everybody know where Rambler's Rest is roughly? Big uh, vacation slash mobile home park there. 
Thousands of people there. I'm like, wow, what's going on there? I'm like, what could attract all these people? Just being a pastor of a church, I'm thinking, I'd like to attract people. That's neat, you know? So I look over there, you know what it was? Bluegrass. Bluegrass. There's another secret to America. I'm thinking you start throwing bluegrass and pumpkins together. (laughs) Watch out, man. I'm talking thousands of people. Now, here's the thing. I have a list. My card here. Try to put it in a strategic spot. That ain't going to work. Not much is working on the stage this morning. Often what we do in the church is we're having a bluegrass festival. What's going on at bluegrass? Four Fs, right? Friendship, food, fellowship, and fun, right? How much different are a lot of churches than that? Or we go another route. We substitute. We'll we'll flail and scream and say that's the Holy Spirit. He's not really doing it. We're not really seeing what the Holy Spirit does. But man, we scream loud. We flail really good. We flop all over the floor like fish and we say it's the Holy Spirit. The weirder we are, the more. How many people have ever seen a church? They claim, you know what? The weirder we are, the more the Holy Spirit's here. And you have to show me that in Scripture. Show me Paul flailing about and screaming. Show it to me. Show me Jesus doing it. Jesus didn't do it. I'm not doing it. Everybody got that? Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? Luke 4.1 says he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I want that. I don't want man-made churchy versions of the Holy Spirit. I want him. We substitute with watered-down messages. We substitute with growth plans for our church. We substitute by minimizing sin. We substitute with buildings. We substitute, you heard me talk about this on Tuesday night, we substitute with church competition. My church is better than your church. Got 5,000 people we're all competing for in Charlotte and Sarasota County that goes to church. Let's try to pull that person. It goes on all the time. I see people come and go from church all the time. We substitute. Well, how about the Holy Spirit instead of competing with one another? We'll substitute with music. We'll substitute with churchy events, whatever it may be. But what happened to the power? What happened? If we're supposed to be doing, if the, if the measuring point is greater works than Jesus did, because he said, if only you believe in me, you'll do greater works than I did. He didn't specify which Christians. He's saying the body would. Where are they? Oftentimes, we just substitute instead. Friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. The 4F club. I need to make a hat. Listen to this now. Don't get all scared now. There's nothing to be scared about. Here, I'll tell you something. I'll break it out real early. I was going to break it out later in the message. I wrote a book. Anybody know that? Those are just ideas, Matt. Long-suffering, that was one of my ideas. But I wrote a book. Hasn't sold, it'll be available online this week. And I'll be available after church for signed copies, if you'd like. <laughs> along with my musical DVD that I put out in my own concert series. But I wrote a book. Here it is. Got, anybody see that? How to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Can everybody see that back here? 
Everybody got it? It's got the author on the back. Bye, Tom. I did all the artwork on that with my Sharpies. It's, well, hey, that might be some, a little psychological leakage. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? Here's the whole book right here. That's all you got to do. I'll make that available to you in the foyer. That sound nice and churchy for you right there? <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Listen to this now. Boredom, stagnation, lack of revelation, Lack of growth, lack of change. You might be thinking, you know what? I am so tired of hearing this from Tom. You know what you need to do? Start growing. You'll love every minute of it. You start growing, you'll start loving it. Boredom, stagnation, lack of revelation, lack of growth, lack of change, which leads to disobedience and compromise, comes any time you fall off the straight way. The straight way is salvation to the infilling. The straight way is ministry with the Holy Spirit because ministry, we are ministering who? We're ministering Jesus. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. No ministry should ever exist in the name of Jesus without saying to people, you have been saved, come on up, let me lay my hands upon you so you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what's supposed to be going on. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again again. You wonder why things are the way they are in the church or you wonder why things are the way they are in your life. You are missing the Holy Spirit and the proper revelation of it. Stagnation comes from that. Boredom in your walk with God comes from that. I'm going to explain to you why in just a moment. It's like, it's, it's, it's like grace through faith, right? It is no different with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Grace through faith. You cannot get the grace without the faith. It's con it, we need to take these concepts in the Word of God and stop part and parceling them when the Word of God does not do that. It is causing mass problems in the church. We get saved then everything that happens after that is the Holy Spirit working in us, trying to bring us to revelation. The moment that you get saved, your entire, your soul is healed for all of eternity from all sin. The moment you get saved, you are immune from the curse of this world. And what the Holy Spirit is trying to do at that moment is get you to the place of knowing these things. Knowing that you're anointed. Knowing that you are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He's working in you to get to that place. And then the Holy Spirit's working through us. Confounding the world through John 14, 12. Winning the lost. Strengthening Christians. Working through us. That's all the Holy Spirit after we get saved. Listen. Listen. He's the fun, folks. 
Don't, don't get caught into the weird. He's the fun. He's the life. He's the life and life more abundantly that we have. Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God. The Holy Spirit now is trying to reveal to us what Jesus gave us. But we have to receive him. We can't say, you know what, I'm just not into the whole filled thing. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Luke 4.1. Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit had come, will, comes upon you. Now here's the thing. At that moment, that's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When does, when does the Holy Spirit come? Acts chapter 2, right? What did, the, what did the apostles do? There you go. Right? Now here's the thing. Acts chapter 1, I do believe, was written by a Christian to Christians. If you're wondering what's wrong, this is it. Listen and change your life this morning. Change it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. These, this is, listen, this is spoken in anticipation of saved people receiving the Holy Spirit. Listen to this now. Jesus, after his 40-day fast and temptation in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, says this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, operating in the Spirit. Later on, just a few verses down, starting in verse 16, we're in Luke chapter 4. This is 16 through 20. This is going to be a little bit lengthy. I'll read it fast. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. That's important right there. Jesus' hometown is what? Nazareth, right? And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As his custom was. In other words, he did that all the time. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. A little odd right here now, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now listen to this now. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Now listen to what it says here. This is what I want you to hear. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Jesus had anointing. He returned, listen, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He had anointing. To have the anointing that you are called to have in your high calling you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like Jesus was. Now listen to this. Now he goes on to say in 4, 24 through 30, then he said, 
Assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows, listen to this now, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to the woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now listen to what he's saying here now. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Everybody remember this now? And they led him to the brow of the, of the hill on which their city was built. This is a cliff, folks. That they, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Now here's the thing. Jesus was anointed, amen? Jesus was anointed. This is an interesting point to make right here. It's an er- interesting area of scripture. It brings to light an interesting concept. With anointing, Jesus had them locked in, did he not? And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And through his anointed words, he offended them. Everybody hear that now. Did Jesus speak anything about Elisha or Elijah that wasn't correct? It's exactly correct. He's talking about people who had rejected the prophets. Through his anointed words, he offended them. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. A moment ago, they were fixed on him. Love and life, right? But then he spoke the truth to them, and what happened? Two things I want you to get out of this. Not everything a Christian says that is anointed will be accepted. Why am I telling you this this morning? Because I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be anointed and you're going to be powerful. Don't expect the world to go, Woo, love everything you say. Woo, you're good. Don't expect the church to do it. Believe me, it doesn't happen in the church. Two things I want you to get out of this. Not everything a Christian says that is anointed will be accepted by Christians or the world. Me telling you this morning that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit probably is not being accepted by everybody in the room. Or let's just say it is so we can all be friendly for a moment. Not everybody who watches this this message at some point when it's online is going to agree with me. How could they not? Is it not true? Is it not? I mean, I believe that it's anointed. I believe today's message is anointed. So that's concept number one, two things. Not everything a Christian says that is anointed will be accepted. And if it bothers, this is number two, if it bothers or offends you, it doesn't mean it's not true or that it's not anointed. Listen, you know what we're doing in the church today? We treat people who are 
offended like they're on fire. <gasps> get them out, get them out. Hurry up, get an extinguisher, a blanket, blanket, anything you can get to put them out. He's on fire. We've offended him. If it's truth that has offended him, let him burn. Maybe he'll be saved. If there's people that are offended by saying there is a subsequent infilling of the Holy Spirit, that's the word of the living God. Oh, Tom, but all these other churches and all these people don't believe that. Tell me how that's changed from when Paul was writing letters to him back then. They weren't believing the right stuff then either. I'll finish with this. The Holy Spirit speaks the things we need to hear and not always the things we want to hear. This is the last thing I'm going to tell you today. To be anointed, at minimum, we have to speak the truth in love. Amen? I'm not speaking words to people this morning because I want to be right. And, I, you know, I want, I want to be right. I want you to be wrong. Oh, there's a grandiose victory on my part. I want you and I to live the word of God. That's it. At minimum, to be anointed, we have to speak the truth in love. Now, I said anointed. Notice I did not say encouraging. I did not say inspirational. I did not say charismatic. I did not say everybody will love you. I said anointed. Jesus was anointed. He was not loved in the synagogue that day. Correct? They were bringing him to the cliff. If he wasn't Jesus, he's going over the cliff. Only Jesus was going to walk through that crowd at that time. I didn't say charismatic. I didn't say encouraging. I said anointed. Now, can they all be together? Sure. It can be an anointed, encouraging, inspirational, charismatic message. Absolutely. But we have to understand that sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. Well, we, what's, what's the prerequisite? Speaking the truth in love. Truth is truth no matter what. Speaking the truth in love. Here's what happens when you do that. What, is that. what happens when we speak the truth in love? Casey, you can make your way. I'm closing with this. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Turn the midi down, buddy. Carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Right? Next verse. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Speaking the truth does what? Causes growth in the body in all directions. In all directions. For the edifying of each other. Last sentence I'm going to preach to you this morning right here. Closing my book. 
The Holy Spirit gives pure reflection, correct? He speaks the truth in love. Respond to that. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.